0: A workplace culture, what I found is that I talk about quite a bit is there's the unwritten rules. So you have the written rules. Everyone gets to know those. They're in a manual and everybody's like, yeah, okay. But the unwritten rules are created by the team to protect the team or by an individual to protect themselves. And they're easily corrupted. And that is usually where I find the problems. And that's where people will label people toxic employees or or a toxic work group. And it usually comes from how they're self-enforcing their unwritten rules.
1: This is the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast, your source for the strategies, systems, and insights you need to turn your dreams into your destiny. Every week we dive into dynamic conversations as our host, Nicole Greer, interviews leadership and business experts. They're here to shed light on practical solutions to the challenges of personal and professional development. Now, here's your host, a professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer, and they call me the Vibrant Coach. And today I have, yes, another fantastic guest on the show, and his name is Glenn Akromoff. I am so excited to have him. He is the founder of Akrumov LLC, author of The Human-Centered Team. And look what I have right here with notes and highlights hmm. and everything. The Human-Centered Team, you got to get you one of these on the Amazon. All right. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Not only is the, he the founder and the CEO, his expertise is rehabilitating and revitalizing municipal government workplaces and has developed a program that will improve any organization by returning humanity, don't miss that, to the center of focus because here is the truth. If the aliens come and take all of us out of here, the rapture happens nothing's getting done. We have got to have the people. And so that is the bottom line. Glenn's life experiences and core values are at the center of his purpose. This is a guy on a mission here. He has been uh, working from seasonal maintenance to city manager. Oh, I love this. And he is a consultant and business owner with a 30-year career. He's observed a connection between fulfillment at work and happiness at home. And he has an intense desire to improve the lives of everyone he works with. Glenn creates environments that are innovative, inclusive, growing, and rich in communication and respect. His human-centered program empowers teams and leaders to overcome and succeed together. He is about making work work. Oh, that's so good. Glenn, I'm so glad you're here.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I work with a lot of municipalities here in, uh, the Charlotte, North Carolina area all around here. And these are the hardest working people that keep all of our little citizens happy and our streets clean and our swimming pools going at the park and all the stuff. Uh, so I, I love your, uh, focus on, on government. How'd you, how'd you get your first job, uh, in a municipality? How'd that happen?
0: It was actually in my hometown, um, in upstate New York. I, uh, Dropped out of college and needed a job, and they did a seasonal work, and so I took it and um, actually stayed there a couple of years, which was not common, and uh, learned a lot, l- liked it, and then. But I, like most of us, when our careers start, we don't necessarily think of it as a career. It was just a job, and yeah, it evolved. A J-O-B. Over, yeah, it it evolved over a a period of uh, five or six years, and I moved to Washington and. My experience got me another job in municipalities, and I did a 25-year career before I went to uh, went to being a consultant.
2: Mm, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I work a lot in HR circles, and so I work with um, HR directors in uh, in municipalities and they're just some of the greatest people that I know. They do such good work keeping the people, the firefighters, the police officers. Y'all, are you all getting what we're saying here? Like, this is a big deal, keeping our people safe and keeping our employees of our cities um, doing great things. So this book, how did this book come about? So I'd love to know how you got yourself in a chair and got this written.
0: <laughs> well, that that's an interesting, that's always an interesting occurrence. I think the biggest thing is, you know, most of us, a lot of people know they have a book in them and yeah. I did, and it was on my list for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, and this program kind of developed, you know, I'd been developing this at work and then had become a consultant and realized, you know, I, 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 I need a tool to use when I'm teaching, but also um, I want to share it with more people. So um, I worked with a, got hooked up with a publisher and a, uh, and an editor and it, it took one year exactly.
2: Wow. it It happened
0: to be, yeah, it happened to be a busy year business wise, but, uh, you know, thankfully the, my editor, Jonathan was fabulous, kept me on task. Um, we were bouncing back and forth. He was patient when I couldn't quite get to it as fast as he wanted me to. Um, but, um, it was a, I really enjoyed the experience. The one thing I'll say about it is it, it, it is much more personal than I thought it would be at the beginning.
2: Yeah. This is like you said, it was in you. It's like you're gave birth to it or something, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's how it felt through the process for sure.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, in his book, he's got lots of nuggets. I mean, serious nuggets. And again, we're talking about the book, the human centered team um, and it's how to relate, connect and give, don't miss this. I, I love this. This is the subtitle. Everybody relate, connect and give your employees a reason to live. I mean, this is so important, yeah. right? All right. And with employee engagement, everywhere I go, Glenn, I don't know if it's the same for you. Everybody's talking about employee engagement, employee engagement. Yeah. And, and that's really what you're talking about in this book overall, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I take it to the human engagement part because yeah, I don't believe that we can separate our job from our personal life that much because we're one human being. And so we want both of them to be um, a good experience for people.
2: That's right. And I love what you're saying, because, you know, I'll ask people a question, you know, while I'm coaching them and and they'll say, you mean my personal life or my professional life? And I'm like, (laughs) it's all one life because whatever's happening at work, you bring it home and whatever's at home, you know, you're you're bringing it in the door, even though you might think you're not bringing it in the door, your mood, your energy, all of this stuff is all one human experiencing all these things. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right. So I I think on this podcast, you might have to come back for another one, but, um, I'd love to talk about the six pillars of workplace culture. Mm -hmm. And so the first one, um, is the word culture. So we talk a little bit about that.
0: Sure. I I think it, I mean, people are starting to realize after, you know, as COVID happened, how important culture is, um, especially senior leaders that may have, um, not paid attention to it that much. Now it's becoming a big thing. Uh, I also think that's driven by our two newest generations, the Gen Gen Z and millennials. They don't tolerate poor culture, which I applaud them for. Most people don't, but I do. I think it's fantastic. And they're going to lead us to a new way. And they already are. And I think that's a big part of it. So when you're talking about culture, to me, there's a lot of different things that go into it especially in a workplace and a workplace culture. What I found is that I talk about quite a bit is there's the unwritten rules. So you have the written rules. Everyone gets to know those they're in a manual and everybody's like, yeah, okay. But the unwritten rules are created by the team to protect the team or by an individual to protect themselves. And they're easily corrupted. And that is usually where I find the problems. And that's where people will label people toxic employees or, or a toxic work group. And it usually comes from how they're self-enforcing their unwritten rules. And so that's one of the things I believe in is you go find out what those are first, you bring Mm. them to light. And now you're um, now, you know, it's always interesting when you bring them to light, you can see in the room, which person uses them as a tool (laughs) because they, ooh, I've been found out. Right. <laughs> and, and like I said, it usually starts for a good reason. A lot of times it's to protect the team from a, a poor manager and mm-hmm. then it gets corrupted by a, an employee who see, who can take advantage of it. So um I also believe we do not, I do not ever dispose of human beings. So a lot of times people wonder, well, you know, if you have a toxic employee or they're, you know, can, can you change them? Well, I can't change them. They can change themselves, mm-hmm. but you've got to help guide them to where they need to be. And sometimes it's not in the work unit they're in. So um, uh, as a leader, I think culture is about, um, I say this often, you don't, you're don't you not going to like your people every day, but you got to love them. And if you don't, then you're in the wrong position.
2: I love what you're saying. Yeah. So let's, let's look at what he's just laid down here. He said, there are unwritten rules. You got to figure out what they are and you got to put them in the light. I love that. That's why I want to have a vibrant culture. I want to all lit up. Right. <laughs> right? Absolutely. So we can see what's going on. Yeah. And um, sometimes people are having to protect themselves. Um, which I think is so true. Like, you know, uh, this, the, the big thing out there, you're hearing this too. I'm sure Glenn is like, you know, it's gotta be psychologically safe for me and all these kind of things. So, um, I think that people do, they start putting rules in place so that they feel like they can survive, which don't miss. Like I'm at work and I got to worry about my survival. I mean, yeah. you know, we could have a much better mindset, which is we're going to like be super productive today or knock this project out of the park.
0: Yeah. T- yeah. I, I, that's tell me how it helps an organization or a business. And certainly in municipalities, you're, you're in the service industry, you serve, that's what you 100%. do. How, how can you serve at a high level when you're scared about what might happen to you um, emotionally and sometimes even physically? Um, how mm-hmm. can you, I, I that it, there is no logic to that whatsoever. Um, And, and, I've I've said for a long time that when that type of workplace existed and was common, which it's more common than I'd like to think it is today, but um, it used to be the norm, right? That's how you behaved um, in the workplace. It didn't work then. What makes us think it's going to (laughs) work today?
2: Right. Right. And, and I love what you're saying too, about no disposing. This is what, what I wrote down, no disposing of a human being, um, you got to guide them. so I have this little program called um, the vibrant Coaching Toolbox where I teach people how to coach mm-hmm. and um, and and I say to them, you know you got to coach them in or you got to coach them out and and here's the thing what, what is your heart? Your heart is to help this person. I'm, I'm always like, hey please let me help you. <laughs> Right. understand what's going on let me help you let me hold up a mirror so you can see you know this very important question what it's like to experience you you know I, i'm here to help you i'm here to guide you um but, it, but 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 some people will always push back on me glenn and say well what if they're not coachable and i'm like well you keep trying until they right. self deselect <laughs>
0: and that, it
2: won't take long
0: it doesn't it doesn't yeah. and, and i think that's true there's the people who don't want i think that's the, one of the secrets to changing your culture when you do and those those folks who don't want to to be in that environment they don't want to be in a positive upbeat productive environment and there are people right. who are afraid of that they do they do self select themselves to exit the exit the organization and go somewhere where they feel more comfortable um mm-hmm. i'm a believer that i i will help them do that and not in a negative way not not in a hammer way but a you know a virtual hug of i'm here for you and i will help you do what you want to do and be successful how you envision it because it's not how i envision it i do like your mirror thing i i i do that to the organization i do it I'll to forget. individuals too but i do it to the organization i hold up the mirror and say this is how you look and this is how you're behaving is it the way you want to do it if the answer is yes, then okay. But most of the times it's not. That's why they've called me.
2: <laughs> right, right, yeah. They're like something's <laughs> off, something's amiss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it, and we know that it's amiss because we can look at KPIs. We've got turnover. We've got employee yeah. satisfaction surveys. It's hard to hire people. We've got a bad rating on Glassdoor. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, there's all oh, sorts of things.
0: Yeah, those those are all all keys i i also think the um most organizations i go into are operating at um 40 efficiency maybe less and so i say well think about if you doubled it to 80 you're not going to 100 you never will but think about how how that would look in your business Mm -hmm. your bottom line your service i mean and, and that's all about the people it all starts with the culture first
2: yeah. And so like a little, little subsection of that first pillar is character. And, um, you know, my methodology is, you know, you got to build men and women of integrity. Um, mm-hmm. and to me, integrity and character go together like peanut butter and jelly. So will you talk a little bit about why character is so important in the culture?
0: Yeah, it's, is especially in, in the leadership. But I, I think when you, one of the processes I use as dealing with a and, and helping a team go from you know survive to thrive is mm. is to help them identify what their values are and values generally start to talk about your character right how you're going to do and and everyone when they talk about values there are some always some common ones right honesty in some form or fashion is there yeah
2: um,
0: but it's interesting you know using that as an example it's interesting to watch people who are, Want honesty from other people and and yet they don't provide it in their in in there. So when you start having the discussion and define the value, you see it, you know you can watch people kind of start to realize, wait a minute, I am not living what I say I want. and um, and then they beat themselves up, which is not what we're trying to do, but I think they start that's part of the process. And I, and I think then you you help them narrate their story um, and kind of using the nuance of character. They create their character and then they help define, hey, you know, I've been through a lot of things and we as human beings have it, each have an individual experience sure. and I've come out on the other side. And so a lot of people don't give themselves credit on how much character they really do have. And it is hard it is very difficult to, to do something that you know is right, even though it's not necessarily great for you at the moment. And to me, that's the definition of character. And, and I, I, you know, I have, I do that on my own, right. I'm looking at it and that's when you, when you look at, at how these things evolve, that's really where it came from. As I started to realize, you know, early in my career that um, as I was still in the field, that I was not living up to what I said I wanted my the the person next to me to do. So I stood up and started doing that. And uh, a a quick story, if I can. I had yeah, a, I love stories.
2: They're my favorites, actually.
0: I had a, a a a really close friend. We were coworkers, um, and um, he got himself in trouble. And he was he was oh. supposed to cover after hours. He, he was, he got in an accident. His wife called me, he had been drinking. And so his wife called me so I could take the call and, and cover for him. And I did. And then the next day when, when he came in, you know, all of this was going to start to blow up with HR and all that stuff. But sure. I had a conversation with him and I, and I said, I, you let the team down we count on you to cover and you didn't do it because you were, you, you chose to to drink. And we all know that's not, you can't do that. Now this is a close friend who I care a lot about and I sure. know he's hurting. And, but I had to, as, as a member of the team hold the team character and the team value up. And what made it harder for him is he was usually the the standard bearer of our team. Mm. Um, so it was very difficult situation and I didn't want to do it. Right. But I knew I had to. And as part of my character and my living, what I said I would do, I had to do it. And I actually took some heat from a couple of the other team members who said, how can you let your friend down like that? And I said, well, I'm not letting him down. I'm I'm holding him to a standard that he needs to be held to. And um it, it didn't cost us our friendship, but he did move away because he knew he'd let me down and he didn't want to do that anymore so he had to make some choices on how he did that but it was to me that was the character part for me and i realized right then that i could could and would become a leader because i could hold that standard even when i didn't want to
1: are you ready to build your vibrant culture Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with their strategies, systems, and smarts to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Your organization will get lit from within. Email her at Nicole at VibrantCulture.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at VibrantCulture.com. Yeah.
2: and You know, you said uh, values, and one of them is honesty. And, like, all you're doing is being honest with this guy. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, uh, what I find one of the most difficult things for people to do is to hold people accountable, which is really what you're talking about. You yeah. know, like I had to hold this guy accountable to the standards, right? Yeah. And accountable to the team, the team agreement. You know, we, we all count on each other to be off when we're off and be on right. when we're on. Right. Um. And, and, you know, feedback is just all about honesty, you know, Giving this guy feedback, it's like, let me be honest with you, you let us down. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you choose, you know, that's the other thing about values, glad, sometimes people pick things that are huge, you know, like right. honesty <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, we really got to tell the line on honesty. We got to be able to give feedback, hold people accountable, you know, yeah. do a really good job on performance reviews, you know, hold the yeah. goals as something very serious. So, um, I love your story. It's really great. Yeah. All right. So pillar number two is structure and don't mm-hmm. miss Glenn's already been talking about structure, you know, like standards, right. And yeah. values, these are all kind of structures. So tell us a little bit about, uh, why you've got to have structure.
0: Yeah. So I think it, it, and structure has those, has a dual meaning here. Number one is exactly what you're talking about is having that, those rules, those boundaries, those things in place that allow people to know where, where their boundary is, where they can push and where they can't. Um, So that's number big part of it. But the other part is actually the physical way your environment is put together. So that can be certainly the office space and how it's laid out, but also how you how your hierarchy is? Um, it's interesting. I I have found in my career that uh, most of them are created organically. You have one person leave. You kind of evaluate that piece of it, and then you maybe change it. Maybe you don't. Um, I also know, and I believe in this, is that every job is is actually the best way to do it is to fit it to the human being who's doing it. So if you have one person who's doing it and another one who who comes in, they're not going to do it the same way. And so I think, so the, the structure has to always be evaluated as a whole, and we don't do that. And structure actually in, incredibly impacts your culture. If you have too many supervisors or not enough of this position and, um, or, or, or too flat an organization where you have one leader overseeing 25 people, which I've done. And that's pretty much impossible. Yeah. (laughs) So, so how
2: crazy people, it is. is.
0: And so, so when you do that, you, you, you actually hurt, hurt the culture because as a, as a leader, I'm overseeing 24, 25 people. How can I spend the time with them to know what they've got going, what they don't, I can't. So, Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that structure, your, your ratios are right. And to me, it's, you know, eight to 10 max and ultimate, you know, best teams are, are, are four to eight. And so it's, it's keeping those, those dynamics going that allow, um, allow that people to produce at the highest level and for leaders to, uh, and managers to be able to provide the resources they need, including the emotional and, uh, support for them to be able to do the work. And so it's so, it's so incredibly important. And I look at some of the, some of them when I go in and I go, well, once, you know, a lot of times they, I asked one of the first things I asked for is the org chart. And they're like, yeah, I don't know where that is or I don't have one <laughs> or something like that. Um,
2: and you're like, uh, Oh, I'm going to really help these people. <laughs>
0: right. And, and so I I'm currently, um, working with a team and it's clear that the org chart is not, the structure is not there for them. Um we, We're going to create the the other structure that you're talking about by doing some, some chartering and some things like that. But there's some positions that need to be moved around and, and some balancing done with the team and all that. And that is the change that actually scares people the most. <laughs> they yeah, don't mind right. doing... They don't mind doing culture, but wait a minute, you're changing my job title. I don't, I, what am I going to do? Is that going to mean I'm not qualified and all these other um, triggers that happen? But um, yeah, to me, structure seems like a very simple thing. And in some ways it is, but it it can really disrupt what you got going on.
2: Yeah. And um, here's the thing, our business changes so market changes, COVID yeah. happens, all this yeah. stuff. And so, of course, people are going to take on new responsibilities. They're going to ditch things that don't matter anymore. And that's what you're talking about is, you know, taking yeah. all of these things um, into account, which I think is is really, really huge. And so I've got a story for you. Uh, awesome. I work with a gentleman and he's beyond frustrated. He oversees an entire shift in an organization, but he has a dotted line. This dotted line thing to all the people on the second shift and so I said well what's that dotted line mean to you he says well I'm responsible for everything but I don't have any power over anybody right and I was just like what <laughs> and so if one of the people misbehaves on his shift um, he has to go to somebody else, do a report, and now we have this thing that everybody remember. If this everybody from psychology class, the uh, triangulation, right. it's this huge. I mean, like you're just creating such a mess. Yeah. Anyway, I just think this is actually like revolutionary, probably for some people listening. And and one more thing I'll add, Glenn, is when I was working for a company called Summit Properties, they um, realized you would have one person in one job, and you'd have another person in the same job but one person's way more seasoned, um, has higher skill levels. It's just a matter of experience, matter of training. Um, so John Gray, the president of our company, he, he did this thing. He says, this is your job description, but here's your position description. And you nice. would put this circle or circle on a piece of paper around your job description and say, and in addition, cause you are more seasoned been here longer. I expect you to do all these things. Um, and, um, it was wonderful. And that also justified why this manager in the same role would get paid more than that manager. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I also, I talk a lot about um, gifts, skills, and passions. So yeah. we, we all have things that we know how to do that we have no earthly idea how we know. We don't learn. Right. Them, we just know them. Right, um, and that And those are your gifts. And then the skills are the things you've learned and become really good at. Um, and sometimes you're not good at them. And then um, and then your passion. where is your where are you passionate about? What are the things that really energize you to perform? Mm-hmm. And I believe that that's really what you're trying to do is find that all three of those things for each person. And when you do, you light them up and they are happy. And that's kind of what they, you know, the the whole statement of um, if you're doing what you love, you'll never do a day's day's work in your life. That's really where that comes from. You're spending your time in those areas. And um, and so when when we go in, you see a, we talked earlier about a toxic employee, that's yeah. the first thing I do. Well, what do you love to do? What are you good at? What are you, you know. How are your gifts used? And a lot of times you'll find they're not even using them in the workplace.
2: Right, right. Yeah, they're sitting at a desk, but they're really good at interacting with people or something, you know, you just, (laughs) yeah. And people will take a job or take a position because again, they need to eat. They need to have a roof over their head and they're just trying to navigate, you know, the personal side of life. They'll think they'll make some sacrifice on the professional side of life and, it doesn't serve them like they thought it would, you know, and we got to get them re reoriented yeah. oh,
0: and you so and good. you find, and you find that a lot in municipal government mm-hmm. because people, all their friends and families, Oh, what a great job.
2: Yeah. And benefits, it, benefits. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Benefits. And you make a steady salary and all of these positives and they're all positives. I, I mm-hmm. totally agree with that. But if you're in the wrong spot, they don't matter.
2: That's exactly right. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's this old thing. Everybody fit. You know, you right. gotta put the right shoes on. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Okay. So pillar number three is systems. Mm-hmm. Systems. Talk a little bit about systems.
0: Well, systems are the things that you use to do the job. So it depends on what your job is. If you're if you're in accounting, it's your financial software is the system one of the systems you use, or in some cases, multiple ones. Right. Um, when when you're a maintenance worker, it's your tools and your your equipment and your trucks. And, and in everybody's case, it's also the, your physical space. So if you're in a building, um, and we have found certainly with COVID and all that, that um, some of the systems were not working as well as we thought they sh- should or, or could be doing. So when we're looking at systems, that's, it, it really can really tear your morale apart when, you're, when you've got systems that aren't working or functioning correctly. And municipal government in particular is really, although I found this in private side as well, is they're they're not great at keeping up with the technology um, so and, and it's it's a cost thing and and a and a visual thing for their constituents, which I totally get. But when you don't do that and you don't keep up with it, then you have breakdowns and you have inefficiencies. I had a company we looked at before they had wonderful software used. And they had used hardware, and the hardware would not load the software. So they were losing about
2: slow as molasses. uh, Oh my gosh! Wouldn't load, won't load,
0: or crash. And so (laughs) they were they were losing about twenty five percent of their day across every employee. And think about that on the bottom line. So and the frustration level, you know, that 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 caused is was just off the charts. So I think that's when you're talking about systems, you want them to be able to work well. You want them. There's a certain point where the useful life is over with and you need to plan for that um, no matter what your business model is. And um, I, I have, it's so interesting, though, when you try to change a system, uh, people are tied to their workarounds. So they come up with a clever workaround to be able to get their job done when a system doesn't oh, yeah, work.
2: People are very industrious. They'll figure they the way because yeah. they want to when... get their job done so they can go home. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And then right. And then once they figure the way, they don't want to change it. Right. Hey, I was clever. And they are. I mean, that's incredible. right. Uh,
2: there's some pride in the workaround, yeah. right? Look, look yeah. at me. I'm creative, innovative.
0: Yeah. And they are. But you know, we if we use the new system, we can still cut your time another 25% and and your frustration level by you know 80% that's going to really help you in the long end. But you that's where, you know, when you're talking about change and how people adapt to change and don't want to, that's one of the keys that I see. They're okay changing culture. They, they you know, structure, maybe not, you know, that's always a thing, but boy, you start messing with their systems and their workarounds and they are, that's where they're going to put their foot in the ground and just say, no, I'm not moving.
2: Yeah, I heard this great thing. I I was teaching a change management four-hour kind of introductory thing on Monday uh, to a financial institution, and uh, the one gal on there was from Oklahoma, and she said, oh, I just went to another change management thing. I said, well, what did you learn there? Teach me something. And she said, well, she said uh, the instructor of the other class she was in said, there's there's two things in change. Um, People don't like the change, and the people don't like you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so good. That is money Uh, because it's true. Right. You know, so back to uh, character and the things that you're talking about at the beginning is like if Glenn tells me we're changing the software, well, I don't like Glenn. So I'm just going to be stubborn as all get out during this process and a problem and ask way too many questions and get in the way. Or like you said, I did a workaround and I'm proud of that workaround. So I don't like this new change. So I don't like you, and I don't like the change. So I thought that was great.
0: Right? No, I think that's that's right on point. I think you you can go back and forth between those and to and to doing the change. I mean, we have I have a I called it the roadmap to change, and and you can go back and forth on that road any time you want to, right? And people do. Um, but it, it's amazing that that that's very true. I think that is really what what has helped. Uh, me and, and my team be successful is we, we're not trying to be liked. We're trying to be respected. And so we know no matter what we're going to do, we're working with an organization. We need you to trust us and respect us. If you don't like us. Okay. But I think that's what, what you're talking about, right. Is, well, if I respect what, what Glenn's doing and how he behaves and he shows character and he's consistent and, and he doesn't waver, then I can see that he's trying to help me, mm-hmm. and because why else would he be here? There's nothing else. Yeah, we make a little money, but it, you know that—that's just the transaction. The reality is, you know, how I interact with them. So I—I I, I like that too. I probably will keep using that.
2: <laughs> yeah, isn't that good? Uh, yeah, and she was a doll, and she—I, she—and she had the software thing going on at her financial institution. She's like, we are, uh, and and y'all, I know that y'all listening y'all that's how we talk in uh charlotte glenn y'all well, uh <laughs>
0: it's okay my mom my mom was from Asheville.
2: okay oh my gosh what a great town love yeah. love some ashville hello listeners get a trip to Asheville, north carolina on your calendar asap you got to go to the biltmore oh that's everybody right. look up the biltmore anyway so uh the, that gal was say she told me that the software they were using was getting sunsetted meaning that we're not servicing it we're not sending you an update ever again it's over I really, you know you have to buy the new stuff and if you want to keep rolling and and she said that we had been receiving those messages for several years and here <laughs> we are like the sun is going down it's getting dark
0: <laughs> yeah and so many do that it's incredible it's how crazy
2: happened. yeah yeah all right so uh everybody check your software situation. That's all we're saying here. Yeah. Okay. Pillar number four is processes, processes, talk about processes and and so, like maybe how that's different from systems. People might be like, didn't we just talk about that? Yeah. No, no,
0: no, we talked about how, what we use to do this. This is the how, this is, yeah. this is the steps you take to do your work. Um, and it's interesting, you know, this is actually a, a big place for conflict in the workplace Oh, I bet. In, in that you have, you have the same per- people. So say you have, uh, we've been talking about finance. So say you have, you know, four different accounting techs, they're, they're in a bigger city, they're doing all, all very similar work. Um, they all do the same process differently. One person may do it in 22 steps, the other in 12 the, the one who does it in 12 will say, Oh, he, he's too slow. You know, he, he doesn't, doesn't do it fast enough. So he's not doing enough. And then the one who does in 22, well, you know, she, she doesn't have an attention to detail. And so, so they, they, and when
2: customer service calls about the water bill, we got to look it up for 20 minutes to figure out what's going on. Yeah, that's
0: right. And so, so it's interesting to watch that dynamic play out in that, they will share that not with each other or sometimes they will with, you know, non-productive ways to share that, but most of the time it's sharing it with their <laughs> co
2: That's
0: exactly what I mean. Um, <laughs> but, I, but they, they will, they will talk to another coworker about it. So you've got the four person people doing it. They'll talk to one and then the other one will talk to one. And then there's that kind of that dynamic that starts to create that somebody's less than because they're not doing it my way. And that totally impacts your customer experience. No matter what business you're in, it will, it will hurt your customer experience. You just mentioned it. Well, if I call and I need to know what my water bill is or that I had a water leak and how am I going to handle it? And I, and I call somebody and, uh, and I do that this month. And then six months later, I have another leak and I call another person and they do it a totally different way. They're like, wait, wait. And how many times does that happen? So the consistency is really important for the, for the customer. Oh gosh,
2: so important.
0: But it's also important for the, for trainees, you know, when you're a trainee and you're being taught by all four of those people that are all doing it a different way. Well, how do I, which way do I do it? Then you ask the supervisor and they may or may not have done that process recently. So they don't know. And so it, it just is a cycle and creates conflict and consternation. And that's where some of that fear comes in that we talked about earlier, where, well, do I need to be scared that that I don't do it fast enough or I don't I don't do it attention to detail enough? You know, what is my you know, where is my dynamic? So processes are incredibly important and we find that they're very rarely documented um, fully. And um, I, I it's one of the things that drives me crazy. I will get online and, you know, hey, I'm going to deal with this tech thing and tell me how to do it. And they they skip a few steps because they're they're tech people who do it so i get there and i'm like okay where's the button
2: to, you click for goodness sake
0: that's right i'm going from say <laughs> si- i'm going from step six to 12 where the where the other ones go and right. so so writing those things down and making sure that you get them right is is very uh is very important to the whole thing and especially now that we have so many people retiring especially in municipal government it's happening at a, a Maybe a record pace. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. so much
2: so, uh, institutional knowledge walking out the door and yeah. headed for the golf course.
0: Yep, and your institutional knowledge is in your processes, and so you needed, especially now. I, I have, I have the work team I'm working with now. They, their supervisor will be retiring in May, and their lead worker will be retiring in probably June or May, June or July. Oh, so your mercy, uh, yeah. So all of that's going out. And, and that's what I'm working on with them. Okay, Let's write the processes. Let's start sharing this information verbally and in writing with with the rest of the team and me so we can make sure that knowledge doesn't go away because you have a, that's your legacy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so on uh, Tuesday of this week, I had the privilege of going on a um, uh, tour of Freightliner uh location uh-huh. in mount holly north carolina and these guys build medium duty trucks which municipality people know all about yes yes <laughs> they're the yes, ones we that do. like like the uh the garbage trucks are mid mid-duty some of the yeah. firefighting trucks whatever so um so these freightliner guy that was showing us around his name was joe and to your point about institutional knowledge i mean joe's got 38 years of freightliner and uh and so he he showed me uh because i because i'm a you know i would do training and coaching i said well how do do you get these young guys and gals doing knowing what you know he goes oh i'll show you i got a book but (laughs) this book was so good right and it's it, when you saw what he was doing you're like that's probably a little archaic shouldn't it be on the computer and he's like my people don't have time to log into a computer to figure out what the steps are <laughs> to yeah. get this bolt done or this painting thing done or whatever to make this beautiful yeah. truck uh, and they take this truck from zero to a hundred percent in four and a half hours it's mind-blowing yeah. so long story short glenn he pulls out this book it's one of those big fat five inch binders, you know. Yeah. And it's got tabs. And uh, and so he says, if you need to know how to do this, and he flips and there it was. And it was, you know, how to do whatever the task was and it had five steps. And then down below, if you had an employee that didn't know how to do that, they would come in and they would read it. Mm-hmm. Then for accountability, they had to initial that they had read it. They had to initial that they were shown um how to do it. Um and so there's this huge accountability in this in this Joe's book. Well, he said now down below is if one of these, you know, new people or somebody who's been doing this job says, wait, there's another step. We go in, we write the new step, we sign it off, we print it up again, we put it in the book. And, nice. and I just was like, you know, it's just paper and a pen. Right, but Joe's system is pretty dang good. What do you think about Joe's system? <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I I like the Joes in the world because I don't me find too. many of them. But I I one of the things that we've started to do when we do this work is do video, because the gen yeah, new yeah. generations love watching videos. I'm using sure. them all the time. You Google, you know, how to change my front light bulb in my car, and oh, okay, there it is, and then I can figure Great. it out. And so, uh, to me, that's you know the the newest generation the gen zers they had started their their entire life they're the first generation with a a phone in their hand right from almost probably almost from birth for many of them so
2: right 2 years old the, at the restaurant watching yeah. this show
0: <laughs> so so when they they may be intimidated by Joe's book although i love it i i i we we build books like that mm-hmm. but i think the the video thing is also the next thing here's how you do it so if I'm working with Joe and he's getting ready to retire, I want to take his book and put it in the video and I want Joe being the one in front of the camera.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, and he and this Joe would love it, by the way. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome.
0: But yeah, I, those those are so far and few between that that um they really shine when when someone like that does something spectacular like that
2: yeah fantastic yeah and uh, the other thing he was telling me is that they do like uh micro learning which i don't know if, the, if those of you who are listening know that kind of phrase but you know he'll do a little teaching video and they have uh teams like most of us do and uh so he'll shoot that out and say you know here's the tip here's a trick here's a strategy here's a technique that's you know we put it in the book, but here's, you know, so he's using the micro learning uh, and doing some videos that way. All right. Pillar five. I'm just having so much fun. We got to hurry up, Glenn. Pillar five. (laughs) It's Um, all my fault. External (laughs) forces, external forces. Tell me about external forces.
0: Well, external forces are the things that impact your business or your organization that you have no control over. So when, and those are many and certainly in the, Municipal business, there are tons of them, but in, in every business you have those. Um, inflation is one right now that's that's wreaked havoc with a lot of people. They, oh, they have yeah. no control over it, but they need to need to have a plan. Most of us don't have a plan, so especially for leaders, your frust, your most frustrating area is external forces. They're putting these pressures on you, and you can't do anything about them.
2: Right. So,
0: so you want to have a strategy, on wh- how am I going to deal with that? example of inflation or actually gas prices in particular, a lot of um, we've had spikes over the last two decades where it's been challenging. And a lot of the trucking companies have a put a uh, surcharge on. They take it off once it drops a certain to a certain level of prices, but they put it back on when it goes over that price limit. And then they have kind of steps. They put it on the bill. They're very transparent about it, but it's the way they make sure their business is still viable when that external force shows up. And, and that's a wonderful example of, of how to do that. And for me as a leader, I, I looked at those and was frustrating and those are the things that kept me up at night. And I said, well, I need to have a strategy for each one. And when I did my stress level dropped, I actually slept every night. And so that's really the the intention of that.
2: Yeah. And sleep, it is a whole thing about performance sleep. I'm <laughs> telling you <laughs> yes, that's fantastic. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, uh, you know, The thing, too, that I'm thinking about with external forces is uh, our municipality friends, God love them, they have this thing called an election. (laughs) And they get a whole new, sometimes, group of people who come in and want to change what that city manager and all of his uh, directors are doing in a hot second. Yeah. And so it's almost like a built-in external force. Get ready; it's the year election day. I think it election day was it? Was it yesterday? It was twos- it was Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, so I mean, like that'll just have you quivering in your boots about who's gonna who's gonna yeah. get it and who's not gonna get it if you're a mun- municipality uh, professional. Yeah. yeah,
0: that that is that is one of the major differences um, between a business and a. And, and the municipalities, municipalities deal with that. The businesses have to deal with the profit margin. So those are the two biggest differences, but boy, when you have council members and you get to know them and you you're looking at how they're working to, to when during the election. And, you know, that does put fear into everybody and not just the directors, the frontline people are concerned about how that's, how's this going to make it 100%. look when this person. So, yeah, that is a external force that, Becomes an internal force.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, and really, uh, you know, so I I have so much respect for the folks that work for municipalities because um, they just, especially if they've been in the biz a long time, right? It's like, you know, they're, they're on their, their fifth election cycle or whatever, you know, they're just like, you know, and they're just like, well, we, our job is to work with the people that the public gives us to work with, you know, and Mm -hmm. if you have all these other pillars in place, and can clearly articulate and demonstrate to these new leaders that have been elected, uh, oftentimes I think that would really help you navigate that external it, force, right? But if you don't have your ducks in a ducks. row yeah, and the yeah. new people come in and say, these ducks are not lined up, we'll row. right? <laughs> you're then, then about it's to get on. a lot of advice. <laughs> yeah,
0: then it is on, that is for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. All right, last one. Pillar 6 is performance measurement. So boy, do I love a balanced scorecard and a KPI or two. Right, so tell right. me a little bit about that and, Glenn.
0: And a lot of a lot of people do, especially as a, you know, it's an accountability piece, right? So that's the first thing. But but um we as human beings and particularly in the US love to count things and we like to count mm-hmm. everything, right? It's and baseball. We're, competitive. It's, we're very competitive. Um, don't mind those, those things, but you want, you want your, your performance measurement to actually tell the story, tell the story of what you're doing, what you're not doing and, um, be able to give you the ability to make decisions based on data, Data data-driven decisions tend to be better in most cases. So, you know, if you're counting everything, then, then you're counting nothing in my mind. (laughs) And so you want to identify what, what those key things are. Um, And so, you know, you can, you don't want them to change too, once you get moving, right? So I I like to have, you know, five or six really KPIs that really tell me so that when my year is over, I can say we had a a successful year. I use the, uh, I use the football record as a, as an analogy a lot of times, Were we nine and eight? Were we, you know, four and 14? What, what was our record? And you can identify what your record was for the year because you're not going to win the championship every year. But, and then what, why? Sometimes it was like, we were talking about that financial uh, um, situation where they're, they're changing all of their systems. You're not going going to to have have
2: you a lot now. It, it
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's <laughs> going to cost you time and you're not going to be as effective as a unit. Okay. Right. You acknowledge that that happened. You say, we're not going to let it go so far next time. And then you, you, you have less of an impact, but, you know, sometimes there are things that happen, you know, certainly everybody looked at it during COVID and, and lockdown, you know, it, it was almost a throwaway year and they just kind of said, okay, but what can we learn from it? That's really the thing. KPIs are the way to teach your, the lesson you need to learn as a team, learn the lesson mm-hmm. and then move on. That's the key. But right. I, and I, maybe
2: double back to your processes and your systems yeah, and your stuff yeah. and tweak, 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 yeah. tweak.
0: It'll, it'll take you all the way through back through the, the other five. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, you know, we didn't reach this goal. Why is it? Well, do we have a toxic employee? Do we have a structure that Problem? Do we have system that's not functioning, or processes? You know, you look at all of them, yeah. And so that's the sustainability part of this process. If you your your KPIs at the end of the year will tell you, and and they need to tell you. And if they're not telling you that, you're using the wrong ones.
2: That's right. And that's the thing about KPIs. People are a little skittish to get this. What do we measure? And yeah. you know, you're the consultant. You're like, well, I don't really know. Right. <laughs> but here's right. some good guesses. To get us yeah. out the gate right because yeah, you can yeah. look at these numbers or these things that we're measuring over a six month 12 month period and it it'll start to tell us what we need to measure but yeah. you know nobody has uh, i always like to say when i work with people i don't have any magic spells or pixie dust or you know <laughs> right. serums uh, you could take <laughs> yeah. that help you figure all this out like that, But we can we can make some educated guesses and we can really, you know, get to work on paying attention to what we're doing. Yeah.
0: That's the key there is paying attention, because a lot of times we don't we get into automatic mode and that doesn't help you improve year to year or day to day even.
2: Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, y'all. Have you learned so much from Glenn today? Everybody say yes. Go down in the comments and say, we learned so much. Put a little nugget in there, something that you learned, learned, uh, if you all would do that. And would you do Glenn and I a favor and click the like button? Give us a heart. Do something uh, that you loved this episode of Build a Vibrant Culture. We've had Glenn on the show and his book is called The Human-Centered Team and listen to his subtitle, Relate, Connect, and Give Your Employees a Reason to Live, which I think is so clever. All right so uh, I'd love to have you back Glenn and I'd like to go through the eight keys to building a human centered team would you like to play that game with me in the future sometime
0: I would love to that would be awesome
2: all right awesome all right well everybody that's been another episode of the build a vibrant culture podcast and again if you liked it please tell us you liked it give us a little love give us a little piece of feedback Um, and Glenn if people wanted to get up with you and have you come in and help them get these six pillars in place and, and get going what would they do
0: well, you can find us at acromoff.com, um, certainly. And there's a, a link there to get it directly a hold of me. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn. Um, we're, we're pretty active out there. And um, we have a YouTube channel as well um, with some videos that we've made of, of different things. And then, like you mentioned, you can find the book on, uh, on Amazon and also at um, humancenteredbook.com.
2: Fantastic. All right, everybody. It's been another wonderful episode of the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. Again, thank you so much, Glenn.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us improve and reach more like-minded listeners. Remember, the journey to building a vibrant culture never stops. Stay inspired. Keep nurturing your vibrant culture. And we can't wait to reconnect with you on the next exciting episode of Build a Vibrant Culture podcast.